0: just want to say to us today, to begin, I just want to say a phrase, call on the Lord. Everybody say out loud, call on the Lord. You know, the Lord is looking to be called on, do you know that? The word is filled. I found myself just digging through the Psalms. I read David's words, so many of his words are crying out to the Lord calling out to the Lord. Last week when we were here in the service during worship, the Lord reminded me of some statements that I've said out of my own mouth that even I forgot. You know, we forget, don't we? It's easy to forget things that the Lord tells you. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, even though we are believers and we've been changed and we love the Lord, we are still human for the time being, right? Right? And in our humanity, we are quick to forget, aren't we? We need to be reminded over and over and over and over again. And that's why the word, you know, some people say, why is it so repetitious? And why is it say the same thing so often, you know, in reading through something like Isaiah, right? It's the same book over and over and over and over again, every chapter. And um, then I always challenge myself and say, well, do you remember it yet? Are you getting it yet? Talking to myself. So maybe we need to be reminded that often. And, and so um, last week during worship, the Lord just reminded me of a concept, and I don't have it quite ironed out in the exact words. Who knows what the Lord speaks to you sometimes. It's like a picture, right? It's a concept. It's an idea. Who's ever had this? You know what God's saying, but you might not have the exact words, but it's something, to, something like this. He's either working it out, He's working it out in a way that's better or different than you could understand right now, or he has a different plan. I could say it also like this, it's either not yet a different plan, or it's outside our understanding. Let me just break that down now. Like I said, it was more of just, I knew what the Lord was saying to me, but I'm trying to, I can't quite articulate the words, so... I'll do the best I can, which is this, that the Lord is saying, I want you to keep calling on me, I want you to keep believing, and I want you to keep praying. Because, just because you haven't seen what you're praying for doesn't mean I haven't heard you, first of all, because he always hears. And it doesn't mean he's not working it out. But I want to say this, he may be, it either hasn't happened yet, It's going to happen sometime in the future. Or he's doing something that is outside of your understanding. Sometimes people say, God just says no. I don't know that it's quite simple as yes and no. I mean, that's fine. You could say, I prayed for this and God said no. I prayed for $1 trillion. God hasn't given it to me yet. Is it no? I don't think the answer is no. It's that, well, that's not the amount of money that I have designed for your life for so many reasons you can't even understand the place I want you to live in, the town, the families. I mean, you realize just something silly like that, you know, just praying for money, if God were to give you a whole bunch of money, would you stay here? Who would go pick an island or maybe a mountain, depending on whatever your taste is, right? You would leave. Isn't it funny that just something as simple as more money could actually change your entire life? So, you know, when we're praying and we're believing the Lord, the Lord is, it's not quite as simple as, just seeing the answers come, or that they're going to come, but that he may be doing some things that you cannot possibly understand. And maybe you will understand one day, and maybe we never will on the earth. There might be things that we won't ever be able to fully grasp, because you would swear to God, it won't change me. Lord, if you just answer this prayer, It won't change me. I swear, I still love you. I'll still follow you. And you don't think you, you think you know yourself, but you don't really know yourself. And so I was reminded last week during worship of this. The reason I'm saying this is that the Lord was putting on my heart again, not to pray because I have seen or haven't seen, and not to pray and seek him because I think he is or isn't doing whatever I think he is or isn't doing. I know I'm trying to, like I said, this is more of a, I know what the Lord is saying, so hopefully you'll get it. Maybe I'm making sense already, but maybe not. Then we must keep seeking him, keep praying, keep looking to him, keep trusting in him, even if it seems like he has failed you, even if it seems like he's abandoned you, even you know, Jesus on the cross said to the Lord, we just read it, if you've been in our Bible plan, right, it wasn't too long ago, we just read this, that he said, Lord, this says, Father, why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus, in the plan of God, said to his Father, why have you forsaken me? Now, did God the Father forsake Jesus? And Jesus was the Son of God. Yes, he was. And he, was, uh, he is forever seated on his throne. And on the earth, I mean, that's, that's in a heavenly sense. And he was a, 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 a miracle-working um, uh, picture of God on the earth. Yes, so those two things are true, God on the earth and God in heaven forever. But he was also a man. You guys realize that Jesus was also human. And in a moment of weakness, and, I, and I, I've, been, I've actually looked at this scripture, and I've thought about that moment many, many times, and I, I think it had to get to that place because, remember, Jesus was not crucifying Jesus on the cross. Who was he crucifying? You and I. right? He represented us. He did it, but he had to become like a man. The Bible says that he is aware. I mean, there's different translations and different verses, right? But he's aware of how we think, how we feel, right? We can summarize the verses, right. He is a he knows us. He lived it out. He lived out the thirty three years of mankind so that he understands us. He lived. He was he had good days and bad days just like we do. He had people reject him and people love him just like we have. And finally, there he is. He is on the cross and he's paying the final price that we are, that we should have been paying for our own sin. And he was driven to the place of of just utter mankind, utter humanity. The Bible says that flesh, right, we must live by the spirit and not by flesh. Why? Because the flesh will kill you, right? Flesh is death, spirit is life. Well, what was Jesus crucifying there on the cross? He was crucifying flesh. And what Jesus was... Re- now, now don't become condemned when your flesh rises up, but I just want to point to you that what he was crucifying was not Jesus the Spirit. He was crucifying Jesus the flesh. And flesh feels like God doesn't know what he's doing. Remember, Jesus the flesh went into the garden of Gethsemane and prayed... Father, let this cup pass from me. But Jesus the Spirit said, but thy will be done. And so the Lord reminded me just just last week, and it's what I'm going to be speaking on today, that yes, your flesh may rise up, and yes, it will have weaknesses. It will feel even that God has forsaken and abandoned you. But I want you to hear this now. God has not forsaken you. God has not abandoned you, and he never will and never can. There are many things that I don't understand. Who, who just wants, Let's well, just show of hands. Are there things, are there, do you, anybody here have questions for God? I feel like after this many years of my life, and I've got many more to live, hopefully, but there is a point where you're not a little boy anymore, and you've kind of ironed some things, maybe some things out in your life a little bit, and you become a man or a woman, right? We'll get to that place, and then there's the next stage, right? We have some of the next generation here, right, where the grays come in and the wisdom, like real wisdom comes in, right? And I'll get there too. We'll get there. We're starting to get some of it. But, you know, suddenly now at, 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 at this place in my life, I feel like I have more questions for God now. You would feel like they'd be ironed out. I have more questions for God now than ever in my life. And I've been finding that I've been going to prayer and I've been saying to the Lord this. I've been saying, Lord, I have more questions today than I've ever had. And yet I'm going to shelf my questioning. And the Lord reminded me of something that I used to say. To him. I used to say it as a preacher many times, but don't question God in the questioning. I want you to hear that out loud. I want you to hear yourself say it out loud. Don't question God in the questioning. God's not offended at you questioning things and asking questions, right? To, under, to you know, Lord, I don't understand. Who has ever said to God, I don't understand? Who says it about 500 times a day? I don't understand, God. But God, I don't understand, Especially when you've been praying and believing. Who's prayed and believed God? And you say, I don't understand. I've prayed. I have believed. I don't understand. And I feel like the Lord, as I've been going to prayer, I've been saying, Lord, but I'm going to take it and put it on the shelf. And I'm going to pray to you anyway and seek you anyway. I'm calling you anyway. And I believe that's the word that the Lord has for us today is call on the Lord. I want you to see something with me. I want you to turn with me, either in your Bible or you can look to the screen. And uh, I have a, a few things here. We'll just see what I get to and where I go with this. But I want to start with Psalm 73. I wrote a whole bunch of Psalms here because I found David's heart. It was a heart just like what I've been describing. Anybody, just anybody with me, and from what I've been describing today, you can hear David in many of his Psalms. Right, Dan? So many questions for God, and then he has to wrestle with them like we do, and then he comes to a conclusion, which was ultimately, we already know the end of the story. David always says, God, I don't know. I don't know, and I'm just going to just choose not to know and just love you and praise you anyway. And Psalm 73 is one of those Psalms, and he says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. He says, but as for me, I almost lost my footing. Who's almost lost their footing? In God, who has become, and and we're going to see here, discouraged with God. You become discouraged with life, but as a believer, right? David's a believer. You know, we're not just discouraged with life. We uh, equate life to God. Who equates life to God as a believer? And, you know, the world starts pointing and accusing, you know, all these different things. And then when things get horrible, then they end up pointing their finger at this imaginary God, right? They don't want anything to do with God, but all of a sudden he exists when bad things happen. Do you ever notice that? Right? Who is God and what do we care? But suddenly, why would God allow this? So anyway, as believers, we go through this same thing and we become maybe... This place where we our feet are slipping, and I was almost gone. This is David. He's not talking about becoming a sinner. This is an amazing psalm. But he's not talking about that he was getting into sin. Well, it is sin because, and we're not going I'm not going to spend today's sermon trying to describe what sin is. You know, because that, that's a, a much. This is a that's a concept that would you would need to spend a lifetime with God to understand, but just simply, very simply, what is sin? It's just, I mean, simply, it's not trusting God. I mean, if you want to just boil sin down to its ultimate simplicity, it's not trusting God. Adam and Eve in the garden, they only had one rule, just don't eat the fruit. They didn't trust God. It chose their impulses and their flesh and their emotions. So Anyway, we could get deeper into it. But that's not the point of today, but he, he's not talking about the sins, quote unquote, that we would call sins, right? God calls sin just not trusting me. We would call sin, you know, like I almost murdered somebody here, right? It's not what David's talking about. I was almost gone. He says, verse 3, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. Now let me say it this way, I'm not talking about just, he's not talking about just rich people here, you know, it's not prosper that way, but who has ever envied somebody's life who seems to have it all together? Who's ever said to God, and then you repent because you love the Lord, but just admit it, God, why do they have such and such? Why is it so easy for them in this area? Why do they have health? Why do they have things? Why do they live where they live? Why do they have a wife, a husband, parents, children? I mean, you name it, who's ever said to the Lord and envied those who have had what you think you should have, but they have. He said, they seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. Wow. The world just seems to have it together sometimes. And then we're going through whatever we're going through in our lives. David's going through something here. He says, they don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. Seems like the world, the worse they get, the richer they get. I'm not saying that Bezos over Amazon is evil. I'm not calling him evil, okay, but... Let me just say this that during covid his wealth doubled right the world is going through the worst crisis in your lifetime and his wealth doubled is it double or is it more than that is it more than that now i know it doubled during COVID. doubled talking 100 billion to 200 billion meanwhile you're losing everything you know everything's closed and no one can do anything right so you see this, we're reading this psalm it's 4,000 years old, and it's the same exact thing today. And it says, and so the people are, it says they boast, verse 9, against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. Seems like the more evil, and the more proud of their evil, the greater and, and bigger and better. You know, the richest area in the world, Dubai, right? They don't love our God. Did you know that? Anybody surprised by that? That they don't worship Jesus, and they just keep building bigger and more extravagant hotels, and I guess just places for the rich to get richer. And it says, verse 10, and so people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. Verse 11, what does God know, they ask? Does Does the Most High even know what's happening? Does the Most High, can he see the injustices? Does God even see what's going on? Can he see that I'm suffering and meanwhile, and I love him, and I'm serving him, and I'm seeking him, and it seems like, Nothing, every time I get something straight, something else goes wrong. Meanwhile, the world seems like they never have any problems ever. They just get better. That's what he's saying here in the psalm. It says, look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. It says, verse 15, if I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. Now, this old, what he's saying is this was an internal issue. You hear what he's saying? He's saying, I didn't go around blabbing, but these are things that I was struggling with inside. Okay? We get, isn't this an amazing psalm? How relevant. <laughs> Man. And, it, you know, it, it, there, there could be so many things. That's why I just don't think of just rich in Dubai because, you know, money might not be your thing. You just might crave health that other people seem to have and you don't. Whatever it is, you feel like they don't trust God, they don't love God, and everything goes right for them and everything goes wrong for you or you're constantly dealing with things and issues. And it says this. He said, verse 16, so I tried to understand stand. I tried to understand. I tried to understand the wicked, but what, or why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. In other words, he says, you cannot understand. There are things you cannot possibly understand in the natural When your flesh rises up, it will try to calculate and figure out, and it's looking... All it has, all your mind has is perception, right? Who's ever heard the phrase, perception is reality? In other words... And my, my, Ask my mom, I want you to go visit with my mother in the back row after service and ask her a really funny story about this is my reality, man. Some guy wandered into her camper at a campground because that was his reality. He decided that's my reality. I'm, this is my camper now your eyes are perceiving and they're creating realities you don't even realize it but you're looking at things like health and riches and the you know the green grass and the blue sky so to speak that is over some other people's lives and you are thinking and perceiving that that they have happiness or that they have joy but your perception is actually false what you cannot see behind the curtain of life is death. There is death behind that false Wizard of Oz curtain. If you pull it back, what you see is suffering and hurt and brokenness, bitterness and evils beyond you could you can't even understand the evils behind. Some of those that seem so successful. Some of those evils have been coming out. People are freaking out, calling them conspiracies. But there is incredible evils behind those that seem like they've got it all together. So he says, I tried to figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. So he goes and he seeks the Lord. It says, verse 17, Then I went into your sanctuary, O God. And I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. He got into the presence of God. You know, last week, I was, as the Lord was speaking to me, and I didn't say any of this this last week, because I had a sermon for last week, and I couldn't get on rabbit trails, and I had a lot to say, and I just spoke it, and then I didn't know if I was going to share it today, but... It was in my spirit this week, and the Lord started bringing it together, and he made it obvious to bring these things to you. Uh, But meanwhile, while he's showing me those things, I'm taking weights and burdens and stuff, and I'm just putting it on the altar. And I felt this incredible sense of relief. And I said, Lord, I didn't even know I was carrying these things. This was just something personal I was having with the Lord during worship. And I realized that we are trying to carry around this, these calculations, figuring everything out, even though you're trusting God and loving God, this, this, the weight of you guys trying to figure it out. I was carrying it. We're all carrying it, trying to understand everything all the time. You may think that's not me, and I don't care, and I don't want to, but you are deep inside of you. I didn't even know I had it until the Lord revealed it. Then it became so clear and I said, Lord, forgive me and I just give it all to you and I felt this incredible sense of relief. He says, I came into your presence. That's where I found relief. I got into your presence. I I decided, Lord, I'm going to come into the house of God and I'm just going to give it all to you. And then understanding came. Why? Because in his flesh, he was thinking flesh. But he came into the presence of God. Where is spirit? Flesh equals death. That's what our Bible says. Flesh leads to death. Romans 8, right? You live by the flesh, you, you will die. But by the spirit, you will live. It goes on. I don't really want to focus on what happens to them because that's not really the point of today's sermon. I don't want you to be excited that people die and go to hell because that's not what David was thinking and that's not what you should be thinking here. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. But I want you to see that what the world calls peace and the white picket fence and happiness and all those things, health and prosperity and all these ideas, these perceptions of, of having it, making it, etc., whatever this perception of, of peace is and joy and happiness from the world's perspective is a slippery slope leading to death. That is only Christ. The martyr who has their head cut off did not miss out on life. They had life before the head was cut off, and they are in life Forever. And those who cut the head off, and it's, this is so backwards, isn't it? They seem like they're victors and so proud to their people. But meanwhile, that person is on a destiny for hell, for destruction. In an instant, verse 19, they are destroyed and completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O oh Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning see trying to understand it all trying to figure this life out is a waste of your time trying to figure out how and why and trying to calculate and this and, and now I want to be clear trying to put yourself into the footsteps of this world as where you get into this cycle you need to understand that you are not of this world you are not like this world you will never have successes like this world. You will never have peace and prosperity like this world. You don't want it. You don't want their false sense of peace and prosperity. It is foolish. It is senseless. It says, verse 21, Then I realized that my heart was bitter. Wow. Wow. Bitterness is a very interesting thing if you study it out in the Bible. You know, it's interesting because I said last week that compassion, they think that compassion comes from the gut, right? Remember, we looked at that. You know, but that's also where bitterness lives, down in here. It's like in your stomach, bitterness. And it, it actually consumes you. It'll kill you. I remember learning in health class, uh, you know, they called it stress, right? But stress comes from so many things, right? But stress on your body in a mental state, you know, uh, uh, not a physical state. We can stress our bodies to run a race, right? That's stress. You're stressing your body, and that could be good for you in bursts, right? But if you ran, 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 and never took a break seven days a week, you would die because you would overstress your body. And internally, you can do that. And and bitterness is actually, uh, was, and remember learning this in science, you know, like um, it releases these toxins and ultimately will kill you. He says, I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health... Now, this is... Come on, let's just, let's just read this out loud. Verse 26. My health may... Okay, let's start one more time. Ready? My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Wow. Isn't God good? He's so good. He says, those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is, To be near God. He found that that was the greatest thing. He decided that all of the things that the wicked seemed, the things that just seemed to come so easy for some, he decided, you know what? I realize that it's all foolishness. You know, Paul even talks about it in the New Testament, about gaining all this knowledge, and he became an elite in religion. He had hit a place of this, of the top of the top of knowing God in idea, in concepts. And he says, I just, I threw it all away. I traded all of that, all the information, all of the calculating, all the breaking down and thinking and being smart, I traded it all for Jesus, for knowing Jesus It's it's such a simple gospel, as I say so often, but it really is that simple that Jesus is everything, and there is nothing that compares to him. There is nothing that will ever satisfy, and we must come to a place where we let him be God, and we must understand that just because we love the Lord and because we seek him, And because we know him, does it mean that everything will be easy? In fact, I don't want this to be the core of today's sermon, and we're not going to break it all down, but I just want you guys can read it in your own word. There are many, many verses that go on and tell us about the things that believers have faced and will face. But we must realize this. The same thing that David came to hear in this psalm, it's good to be near God. That is ultimate fulfillment, to be near him. That's true health. That's true peace. That's true prosperity. That means that the martyr, right? And I, because I I was just been doing a little research into some things that are going on into the, in the world right now, people are still being martyred present day. And I just found myself on Voice of the Martyrs this morning. And these things are happening. It does not mean that God has failed them and abandoned them. And if somebody's going through that and God hasn't failed them, and we're not being persecuted like that, but we might be persecuted in other, you feel like, man, it's either the devil doing this in my life or something's wrong or maybe I missed a step. God, where are you? And you need to just step back. And take all of those thoughts and all that junk and just put it on the altar. You don't need to figure it out. All you need to do, just come and get before Jesus. Jesus will iron all those things out. If you're in sin, he'll make it clear. If you need to do something you haven't done, he'll make it clear. You don't need to ask the, you don't need to try to figure all that You just need to get into his presence and stay before him. But let me tell you something. It does not mean that circumstances will change, but he can change the heart inside you. The psalm does not say the circumstances changed, doesn't say the wicked suddenly fell right before him. He didn't watch them fall. He just saw the fate in the future of where that person will end up if they don't turn. And he saw in his circumstances where his heart is now and will be forever, which is, he says this. Verse 28, it's good for me. As for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. And this is amazing, too, because what he came to was this place where he said, I was thinking these things, and it's a good thing I didn't voice them out loud. I was dealing with it inside, because I would have been a traitor to you, God. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to testify that, God, you're good. You see that? You see that what's going on in his heart and what he's processing? And what's he say I'm going to say? I didn't say it. And the Lord's not judging me for it. I dealt with it. I went into his presence, and I dealt with me, and, and I was thinking all these things, and the Lord says, uh, ultimately shows him who he is, and then he says, I'm going to testify of you. You know, There's lots of reasons we stop calling on the Lord. One of the reasons we stop calling on the Lord is we might be just ignorant as we can, I just want to just take this psalm for the next few minutes, and I just want to just explore some other thoughts here. There's reasons why people stop seeking God or don't seek God. They might just be ignorant of the Lord. They don't know that God is there to be sought out. You know, there are many that just don't know. I'm t- the world and those who were raised and in, in even those who went to children's church and, and, and vacation Bible schools, right? They, they become ignorant or hard and, and they run away. And it's not even just outright rebellion. It's really just ignorance, not even trying to ignore God. And the Bible says in Luke 19, it says that Jesus was weeping over Jerusalem. He said, if you had known, verse 42, if you had known that I was here, he says, especially in this, your day, the things in the New King James Version, it says, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you. And he's prophesying that... Jerusalem was going to be destroyed, and this happened in 70 AD, and it says, and uh, they will not leave one stone, verse 44, upon another, because you did not know the time of, of your visitation. The Lord is looking. He's in, he is available to every single person in the earth, to every culture, to every language, to every nation, to every tribe, etc., the Lord is available and is looking for us to come to him. There are people that have gone into every part of the world at this point, and to, even into you know the deepest, darkest jungles, right? We've heard testimonies of people that have gone into those places, and the Lord is offering, and it's out of an ignorance that they don't turn, There's a second reason why we don't seek the Lord, and it might be now. It's not just ignorance, but it is rebellion. There are many that have rebelled. They don't want to seek the Lord because they just don't care. They are fully aware. I've heard it. I've actually heard it out of many mouths before. I don't care. I know I'm going to go to hell. Hell's where the party is, which is also very, very ignorant as well. Rick's laughing because he's either heard it or said it. At some point in the future, in the past, praise God that the Lord catches us and finds us in our rebellion. But many don't call on him because of rebellion. But really today, and, and preaching to this church, and, and maybe that's for somebody in the podcast, is this, that sometimes we become discouraged for whatever reason. I think every single Christian becomes discouraged. You don't even know it. You don't understand. You just, you've either... You get to a place for whatever the reason is and you've just forgotten to call on God. Now it's not even ignorance. You just, you know God and you and you forget that you can call on Him at any time. Some, though, and this is more often than forgetting, get tired of calling on Him. Who's ever become discouraged in the Lord, seeking the Lord, that you became tired of calling on the Lord? Because... For my final thought there, is that the third category maybe has become hard, and they don't think it'll make a difference. There's many reasons why we don't seek the Lord, but I want to tell you today, the Lord is looking to be found. Isaiah 55 says, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him while he is near. In, that same, uh, in Isaiah, in the same chapter, it also says that his thoughts are nothing like our thoughts, his ways are nothing like our ways, and he goes into who he is and tells us, you don't need to try to understand God, we just need to know that he is God. You don't need to understand what he's doing in your life, you just need to understand that he is God. If you start, if you, if you leave the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis, and you read all the way through to Revelation, every time it talks about a particular character, any time a character comes up in every single book, you will find in every single book, in almost every single story, a time where the person did not understand what God was doing. Many times for their lives, it was 20, 40, 60, or even for the Israelites trapped in Egypt, it was 400 years, which would have seemed like their prayers and their cries to God went nowhere. You realize that? For 400 years, they cried out to God. Finally, it says that the Lord heard their cries. We need to seek the Lord. We need to call on Him. I found myself yesterday, and it just struck me because I read I read it in our reading yesterday as a church, but then I realized it was really tying together to some thoughts that were in my heart. And I read this in Luke, I'm sorry, in um, Psalm eighteen and in psalm twenty two. And in 2 Samuel 22, which is Psalm 22 as well, and we could look at any of those, but for time, I'm going to pull it up in 2 Samuel 22. 2 Samuel 22, it says in verse 7, In my distress I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God for help, and he heard me, From his sanctuary, my cry reached his ears. I need you to hear something today. Our cries are heard by God. Every single tear is seen by God. The Bible says that he has your hairs numbered on your head. The Bible says he cares for us. He says, look at how I care for the birds, and I care for the flowers. Don't you think, how much do you think that I care for you? In fact, he told us how much. He said, I didn't even spare my own son, my beloved son. That's how much I care for you. That I let him die in your place. That's how much I love you. And the devil, I believe, is coming to try to steal our faith. You know why? Because we also just read this. I was reading it because I was preaching from Mark chapter 6. And that's where I was preaching from for talking about the 5,000 being fed by Jesus. In Mark chapter 6, it says that Jesus came and he was preaching. And it says, Mark 6, verse 2, they said, where did he get all this wisdom? And how is he performing these miracles? And in verse 3, it says, they scoffed. He's just a carpenter the son of Mary, the brother of James. We know his brother. we We know his mother. We know his trade. Joseph, Judas, Simon, his sisters live right here among us. And it says they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Now this really struck me. That we're all called to seek the Lord. And the devil puts burdens and weights on us even seeking God to get you to a place of discouragement to think God doesn't hear your prayers or God's not going to answer them and what happens when it gets us to that place is a is same thing that David went through there in Psalm 73 he comes to calculate they began looking and thinking and calculating and trying to think you understand God and figure out Jesus and think, well, maybe Jesus was just a prophet. Maybe, you know what, maybe it's not happening because maybe there are three ways to heaven. Maybe it is chrislam. Maybe it is Judaism and Islam and Christianity. Maybe there's many ways to God. Maybe that's done away with. Maybe God's a different God today. Maybe there's many ways to God. Maybe God is just a consciousness. And you know what happens? People create new religions and new religions, and, and that's the extreme of it. But before you create a new religion, starts this thing in your heart where you begin to doubt. You become disillusioned. You become start to calculate. You think you're... You think you're following God, but you're trying to figure everything out. And what's happening is, is the devil is actually sowing doubt into your heart. And I've seen this happen. I've seen it. When it gets to this place, and you know what it says? They got to a place... It says they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. And it says, then Jesus told them a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his family. And it says, verse 5, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. I believe the Lord sent me today. I didn't, wasn't quite sure how the Lord was going to preach it, bring it all together. I had some thoughts. But I need you to know this. God is always working. Philippians 1.6, right? I'm certain God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day. Listen, when is his work finished? Is the Lord finished? Are you dead yet? Is Jesus returned yet? Then he's not finished. It was finished on the cross. It's finished in spirit. Okay, you need to know it was finished. Satan was defeated, but every little detail hasn't been worked out yet, has it? We need to let God be God in our lives. Many times, God's not God. We don't realize it. We've become God. We need to know this. That he began the good work within us, and he is going to finish it. It says, on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Why then? Because then, there's going to be an account. The Bible says what? There's a great white throne of judgment. That's what David could see. David was looking, he was peering into a place where his life that seemed like it was filled with troubles, now suddenly Jesus prophesied about this, didn't he? He said, when you look in heaven one day, you're going to be surprised because the least will be greatest, the greatest will be the least. That's even among those who make it into heaven are going to be surprised that things are a little bit different than you thought they were. That those who thought they were serving God, those who thought they were doing all these Christian spiritual things, some of them are going to be surprised. And what is my point? The point is that we need to let God be God. He loves us very much. The devil's trying to come and get us all twisted up inside, get us looking everywhere but him. We need to come back to the place. Very simply now, just say it again, where we just take our burdens, take our weights, all the things? Come on, everybody's got a story, and there's something going on in every one of your lives. There are things you're believing for you haven't seen God do. There's things that have broken your heart that you thought God should have stopped From happening. You need to take those things, you need to put them on the altar, and you need to just praise Him and thank Him and love Him anyway. Amen. Praise God. We just thank you, Jesus. I thank you for this word, and I thank you, Lord, seal it down into our hearts. I pray, Lord, this is your word for us today. I thank you, you are there to be sought, and we call on you, Lord. You do hear us, you hear every single cry, and I thank you, there is an answer already lord in the works it might not come tomorrow and it might not be what we expect but i thank you lord you will fulfill every single promise that you said you would do and i thank you jesus that you will wrap this earth up like a scroll all that we know, everything we can see and can't see will be thrown away. And I thank you there is a new heaven and there is a new earth. And Lord, you said there is a place. I go to prepare a place for you. Thank you, Jesus. That is our home and that's what you are preparing for us. So we just give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.